I grew up in Assemblies of God. My dad was an Assemblies of God pastor, so I grew up in an AG home. I went to Central Bible College. Uh, that's where I graduated in the, in the late 70s. I went to CBC in its uh, glory days. And then I pastored a church in Cleveland, Ohio, west side of Cleveland, for 25 years. That church was not a, an Assemblies of God church. It was actually a church that was planted and was birthed out of the Catholic charismatic renewal that was happening a lot in Cleveland at the time. So I was there, and I was uh, in that church, or part of that church, for 25 years. I was on the team for five years, one of the staff people, and then I was the point person or the leader, uh, senior leader for 20 years. So I was there 25 years. And then uh, my, my wife, uh, Missy, who's around here somewhere, we moved to Minnesota. We moved to Minneapolis about eight years ago, and I pastored a church there, and that church was an Assembly of God church. And so I was kind of full circle, back with my tribe, with my family, and then I moved back uh, to Cleveland, west side of Cleveland, in July. And I moved back mainly for two different reasons. Uh, my son, who's on staff here with uh, Donna Barrett, helps out with worship there and some other things. His name is Britton. Uh, he had my first grandchild, which is a grandson. So, you know, grandparents got to come back home. Never thought that would be it until, you, you know, you become a grandparent. Then it is. So I moved back. I want to become a part of his, his, uh, my grandson life. And then also I transitioned out of being a, a senior pastor, doing general pastoral work. I just turned 60 in uh, November, so I really had an idea, and it's going to have an application to this session that we're going to get into. I really had a pretty good idea of what I wanted to do the next 10 to 15 years of my ministry life. I had come to a point, which I'll talk to you about in this graph here in just a second. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to make sure that I was uh, fruitful and faithful in the last, you know, third quarter of my ministry life. So I really moved back to do three things. That's to help people in the area of their spiritual growth, mainly in the area of discipleship. So how do we really become like Jesus? What's this Christ-like nature all about? How do we do this type of thing? I've been able to help churches kind of think through that as well. Are we producing disciples? How do we do that? What does that mean to us? Those type of things. Second thing I've been uh, love doing, and it's, again, will be part of this session, is helping people from a biblical worldview find their sweet spot. That is meaning living out of purpose and out of intent. And at the end of their life, we will have fruitfulness to give back to God for the life that he's given us. As a pastor, I've seen it for you know, many, many years where a lot of times we, people, life goes by real fast and we don't seem to be going in the same direction or maybe the direction we want to. And we wake up one day and we say, you know, what just happened? So helping people really get on track according to what their design is, what God has given them, what God has said to them, all those type of things, so they can live a purposeful life. And then the third area that uh, is one of the things I've been giving myself to is helping Christian leaders, and the byline I use, uh, lead well while they live well. And uh, the idea of that is who are we becoming from the inside out? You know, leadership can be very difficult in the church world. Again, I've been in it for a long time. I grew up in it but just our own inner health, our own inner life, our own transformation in our life as well. So that's kind of who I am, and it gives you a little bit of an idea, but I was uh, invited to come and be a part of this, so I'm looking forward to do this. Let me give you, I want to give you real fast, and then we're going to have some, some time for some Q&A, of the six stages of development in the life of a leader. So if you'll take your, your graph, and I'll go through it, and then we'll uh, kind of explain a little bit of it. Now let me give credit where credit's due. A lot of this material, although I've cut and pasted and it's morphed over years because I've done this for a long time, comes from a man by the name of J. Robert Clinton. He was a professor at Fuller Theological Seminary. He was probably uh, 
the foremost leadership development theorist or a writer in the church world. This comes from a book that he wrote many years ago called The Making of a Leader. Now, there's a lot of books out there called The Making of a Leader, but it's J. Robert Clinton. And what J. Robert Clinton did is he studied all the leaders of the Bible. He studied leaders throughout church history, and he studied contemporary leaders, all from a Christian perspective. And he's kind of an engineer. The way he does this is very analytical. If you read the book, it's very, it, it has a lot of words in it and subsets of words. But this is from a, a book, a man by the name of J. Robert Clinton, but it has some profound things in it. And let me give you the, uh, the, the, the greatest, there's a couple different reasons, but to go over this material is like this. I've done this with staffs. I've done this in my life three or four times. I've done this with different leadership teams. This book and this grid, it's almost like flying over your life in a helicopter. That's the, that's the beauty of this thing. You, you'll, you'll read the book, or as we go through this, maybe you'll see it. You're flying over you know, your life, and you realize, wow, here is exactly where I'm at in my development as the life of a leader. So it gives you perspective. It gives you perspective in a couple different ways. It gives you perspective in probably where you're at in the grid. It will give you really good perspective on probably what's happening in your life during this phase in the, the grid that you're in. And it will give you a really good idea of what's next to you for you and how to transition through this. And let me just tell you a fact. Most people never make it to what's called convergence. We're going to get to that at stage five in this. Most leaders never get to convergence. And convergence is where a person is doing the right thing at the right place at the right time. They have hit their sweet spot. That's what it is, okay? Usually 10 to only 10 to 20% of leaders ever get there. I just moved into convergence. That's why I moved back here. I knew I was in that process. But it's moving ahead. So what this will help you to do, you'll realize where you're at, what God's doing in you during the time, and probably what it's going to take you to move to the next one so that you will, wherever you're at on the grid, here's what I like about this. I'm glad that there's some you know, younger people here as well as people of all different ages. This stuff is extremely important if you're in your 20s and 30s because here's what it will do. It will give you a perspective early in your life so you're not like this all the time. You realize this is kind of my North Star. So I can kind of stay engaged in the same direction so I have fruitfulness and so that I'm able to finish well. That's the first thing that this is helpful for. The second thing is helpful for leaders who are in their mid-40s to early 50s because it will give you an idea of how to transition to convergence so that you finish well. So the third quarter of your life, your ministry life, you feel like you're doing what you're supposed to do. So let me give you the six, and then we'll move through it. Let me give you the first one. And the first one is simple. You won't be able to read mine, but you can write it down, okay? If you'll write it down here in your graph, it's called Sovereign Foundations. So the big part of the funnel, we're moving from the sovereign, God is sovereign, S-O-V-E-R-E-I-G-N, Sovereign Foundations, okay? So this side of the funnel, the big part of the funnel, is what's called Sovereign Foundations. What J. Robert Clinton, he uses that as well. Now here's what Sovereign Foundation does. Put these two things underneath it like this, if you have it, little bullets, and I'll do one for each one as we go across, okay? Sovereign Foundations, what happens in Sovereign Foundations? Sovereign Foundations, they shape us, so write down shape us as a bullet, that's what happens in this stage. They shape us, and they become the raw material to a redemptive future. They shape us, Sovereign Foundation shape us, 
and they become the raw material to our redemptive future. And the word redemptive is there on purpose. It just doesn't happen necessarily. Okay? So let me give you an example of sovereign foundations. Sovereign foundations are simply this. Every one of us in this room, obviously, we were born to a certain family at a certain place at a certain time and had certain shaping, life-shaping experiences. Okay? Those can be negative or positive. It's, it's either side of the current, but that's what sovereign foundations is. Now, here's mine. I was born into a godly family. At the age of six, my dad took his first church, a Semitic God church, in a little town called Savannah, Tennessee, which is in the Tennessee River in Tennessee. We moved down there at the age of six, first time. I'm in the middle of seven kids. We got involved in my dad pastoring. We all were a very musical family. We started traveling and, you know, singing, and I played the bass guitar. You know. We had missionaries. During those, those, those days, we didn't put up in a hotel. They stayed with you. So we had missionaries and evangelists who came and do, did evangelistic crusades and missionaries from around the world. And I was a little kid in Savannah, Tennessee, and then another place called Dyer, same idea in, in Tennessee, a little small town, where I was always around these conversations. So I grew up in the church. I grew up in the church in the season for me, you know, which was in the, in the 60s and 70s, where we were there Sunday morning for Sunday school, Sunday night for teen group, Sunday night for, you know, ministry, Wednesday night, revival services throughout the year. You know, I fell asleep on the front row, and, you know, I saw the Holy Spirit move in phenomenal ways, and my dad was, somebody would sit on the piano, and he would lead people into worship. He had a real sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. I grew up, another place I grew up when I was 12 years of age, we moved to a place called Dyer, Tennessee. Dyer, Tennessee is a little rural town built up around cotton gins, you know, three red lights, you got through the three red lights, you were through, through Dyer, Tennessee. 3,300 people, that was it. It was your Mayberry RFD. Everybody see you, Andy Griffin, you know, and that's how I grew up, okay? So my point is, those were positive for me. I had very positive experiences, but those were sovereign foundations that where I was born, who I was born to, what I experienced, the culture I was in, now is still shaping me and having an effect in my life today. And I want to show you how you can, that you can see that. So sovereign foundations is what he calls the first stage. I can give you a lot of different examples from many different people. But if you just think right now, how have your sovereign foundations, whether you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, whatever, but how has your early years shaped you and how has it become the raw material to maybe what you're doing right now? Let me give you another example just to try to get this a point across. I worked with a man, I, I, I took a church that a man reti uh, retired and transitioned out of in Minnesota when I went there. And he was born in Oklahoma in the 40s. And he was raised in a single mom's home. And his dad, he never knew his dad. He was raised in a little Assemblies of God church, if I remember the story, I think it was Assemblies of God church. But from an early age, men in that church begin to father him or mentor him and then he began to mentor other men and became part of his life. He went into the Navy. He became a colonel and almost became a general. He was overlooked at the very last minute, was on the list to be a general you know, in the Navy. But what he realized is all of his life he was involved in leading men. But he could trace it back to his sovereign foundations of men in the local church who got involved in his life and helped him become a follower of Jesus Christ. And several years ago, guess what? He was the national men's director for the Sins of God denomination. What's my point? His sovereign foundations 
had a trickle effect on his convergence and the redemption of the raw, his raw material redemption of what he later became. So whatever you came from, negative, positive, whatever your environment was at, I can give many illustrations of this. Your sovereign foundation is your first stage of your development in the life of the leader. Okay, let me give you the second one. Write this in if you would. Because there's, there's really three of these that I want to get to and give the most time to. But the second one in is, is called inner life. So write, write inner life into the second funnel going across to the right. Inner life. And then if you want to put underneath it a big, in, in brackets, put the word character. Okay, put the word character. This is primarily where your character is being shaped. I mean, it was obviously shaped early as well, but it's really coming into this. And I would also say it's the area where your spiritual inner life or spiritual character is being birthed. Put these bullets down underneath it just to, again, flesh it out. This is where you learn how to hear God. Okay, I'm talking about spiritual life now, okay? So it's your spiritual journey. So you begin to have, you came to salvation. I got saved at the age of seven. I got called into the ministry at a Tennessee Youth Convention uh, in downtown Nashville, Tennessee, when I was uh, three days away from my 17th birthday. You know, I began to learn how the Holy Spirit, I began to get into the Word. I was taught the Word of God. You know, those type of things. So this is called the inner life. And here's so you, you begin to learn how to hear God. Obedience is another one. So put obedience down if you would. Obeying. God, obeying God's word, we either do or we don't, you know, those type of things. So a, an inner life in which we respond to what God says for us to do. Uh, we learn how to be obedient, you know, to God's word, to God's direction. Discernment would be another one you could write down. Just the area of discernment, what's good, what's bad, what's God doing, what's evil, what's the Holy Spirit, what isn't the Holy Spirit, what circumstances. So my point is, again, you're, you're, this is where you're building your inner life. Sovereign foundations, and then you begin to build your inner life. Give me a couple more. The area of faith. Usually in this stage of life, people who, I'm talking about spiritual leadership now, and all the way across this grid, have some type of a faith challenge. They want to go to Bible college, but don't have the money for it. or what are you? So they, they feel like they've heard God, they made the decision, they do it. Some type of thing, they step out and begin to lead their youth group. They don't know how to do it, not sure I could ever do it. I'm still 16 myself. But there's some type of, they get challenged in a financial campaign at church. They're working at McDonald's and decide, okay, I'm going to start tithing because I heard the principle. That's inner life growth that's starting to happen. Or they say, I'm going to try to give, you know, $100 this year or $1,000 a year to the, to the campaign. So it's area about faith. Let me give you a couple others. Uh, the area of integrity, integrity, and everybody knows, you know what the word integrity means, it doesn't just mean that you don't lie. The word integrity means that we're integrated, integral. The components of our life are integrous because they're true. They're, they're properly integrated. And then the last one I would give you would be the area of the word test. So again, God's t by the word, knowing God's word, he says something to us. We respond to it, we, we obey it. So in the life of a leader, spiritual leaders I'm talking about here, we, word test like the Bible, the word test. God says something to us and we respond to it, okay? Obedience, faith, integrity, character, hearing God, discernment. We're building an inner life. We're building somewhat of a history of a spiritual life. It's still early on, but we're building it. Now let me just make a flag with this, if you would, and put it there somewhere. Put it up here, if you would. Let's do this. 
put it up here and make a real big flag. An area in our inner life that isn't positive, that we didn't learn in our early inner life period, if we don't adjust it over time, it becomes, begins to influence us in the next two phases. Okay? Have you ever known somebody in their inner life who they didn't learn how to be uh, obedient? They, they didn't learn how to tell the truth. Okay? That was developed in them during this stage of manipulating the truth and spinning and not being honest with their parents and et cetera, and not telling their youth group leader. That, okay? So what happens is, if that isn't then at some point in the journey changed to become integrous, you see it pop up in these two different, other two different areas that we're going to get to. All right? Same thing in the area of faith. You can take any of those things. If you, had a, if you had a faith challenge when you were younger, God said, do this, take this step, go on this mission trip, you know, start paying your tithes, whatever it would be, you know, and you learn faith then or you don't learn faith, it spills over in these other areas. Okay, let me give you the third one because these are the areas I want to spend the most time. The third one is what he calls ministry maturity. Okay, ministry maturity. So now, again, we're talking about spiritual leaders. So you, everybody's had certain, some type of background, you know, you know, some type of background, which has shaped you. You begin then to have a, some type of a spiritual life. That's either as a young person, if you grew up in the church and came to the Lord early, or if that's, you know, later in life. But before you became more involved in spiritual leadership, you begin to have some type of an inner life that you were building, an inner life with God. Then you move into ministry or ministry development, ministry maturity. Let me give you the areas then that you grow in here, okay? Let's put down about four or five, okay? Here's what happens in this area of your life. So let me just say this. If you are fairly early on a staff, a team, you're now on a church team, maybe you're leading in a ministry department, uh, you know, maybe you're a youth leader, then you've, you're just starting a youth leader your first five or ten years, you know, you're usually then in this area of ministry maturing. Okay, let me give you some things. Here's what you're learning. You're learning some skills. So you're learning how to lead worship. You're learning how to, uh, you know, strategize about vision with the, uh, the music department. You're learning how to relate with teens. You're learning how to communicate with teens because you're now the team leader. You're learning how to, you're the new secretary, so you're learning administrative, you're learning systems, whatever. But in this area, what's happening is you're learning skills. The second thing that's happening is you're really beginning to learn what your gifts are. Okay? Ministry phase, you're learning what your gifts are. And let me give you a real quick way. I think we have time. I might have to run. But let me... A really easy way to think about gifts, because people get very complicated. Sometimes our whole gift assessments and all that, you know, really complicated about gifts. Let me use a couple ways to think about your gifts, what you're good at. Number one, what would you say, you know, is that you, you do little work in and seem to get a lot of fruit. That's a good indication. What do people around you say that you're good at? Not what you say, but you know, you ask some of the people around you, they say, you're really good at leading, you're really good at communication, you're really good at whatever it would be, okay? And the third thing is, what do you end up doing that when it's over you can't wait to get back to? 
So gift assessment isn't, doesn't have to be all that complicated. We can do all the different, you know, gift assessment things, and I think they're helpful. But you begin to realize, I'm good at this. I'm not that good at it. And you happen, that happens in our ministry skill time, ministry maturing time. Somebody gets up and lead, and then maybe they're still learning it, but there's a, there's a realization there's a gift there. Or you communicate. I remember the first time I spoke, I was between my, uh, I was, it was a Sunday night at a church in Savannah, Tennessee. I'd gone back there to work as a youth pastor, and I remember I had to speak, and I was as nervous as I could be, and I was hoping the Holy Spirit would take over, so I wouldn't have to, you know, speak and all type of, but there was, a, there was an element that when I began to speak and begin to teach, there was something there. So you begin, to, you begin to realize, I think there's a gift in that area. The opposite happens, you begin to realize you're not as good in other areas, even though they may be in your job description. Okay, so you're having some gift assessment, some skills development. Let me give you another one. You're beginning to realize what your passions are. I love it when the senior pastor gives me, you know, this. I love going out to the mall and sharing my faith, or I love working with kids, or I love developing a team, or I love pulling off events, or whatever. I love working around the altar and praying with people. You begin to really begin to have a sense of what your passions are. The fourth thing you can put down, then, you're really, you're having, you're beginning to have your ministry experiences, okay? And then write this down, if you would, at the top. Maybe this would be a good place to put this one as well. What's happening during this time is more ministry is happening in you than through you. Okay? More ministry is happening in you than through you. Meaning, you're learning about how to lead. You're learning how to deal with criticism when it didn't go well. You're learning how to respond to your senior leader, which, you know, you're not sure if that's the best decision. You know, you're, you're learning how to be gentle when you don't want to be gentle. You're learning how to do relational conflict. So again, more ministry is happening in you. God's going to do something in you as you're doing ministry, but then through you, okay? And so that's the area that in ministry maturity. Let me give you now two big things at the bottom that usually happens. Let's put it here. During your ministry maturing phase, phase three, you usually, almost everybody goes through this, and Clinton shows it in his book, and I've seen it over and over in my life and with other leaders that I've worked at. During this time, you usually will go through what's called a relational test or an authority test. I'm working with a guy right now who's in this phase. He's a young adults pastor in a fairly large congregation. He's been there for about five or six years. He's learned his skills, his gifts, his passions, etc. But right now he's dealing with some real attitudes in his own heart regarding the leadership and what they're doing or not doing there. So what I'm able to point out to him is right now you're going through a relational test and an authority test. And he's aware that how he handles that, how he processes through that will be a great deal regarding his next season. So when he flies over his life, he realizes I'm right here and here's what God's doing in me. Let me say a show of hands. How many of you, we've only got through three stages, but how many would say that you're in the third stage? You don't know what the fourth one is yet, but you're in the third stage, okay? You're being developed, all right? You're going to be tested in certain ways, and how you pass those tests will determine how you move on as well. Let me give you the fourth stage. And the fourth stage is called life maturing.
life, you're our life maturing. So the third one was ministry maturing, where learn how to speak and lead and administrate and whatever it would be. But let me just say this to you. And this is just, it's uncanny how this happens in leaders' lives. Most leaders are made or destroyed in the life maturing phase. Okay? And for most leaders, it happens to them. Now, it doesn't have to, doesn't have to always be the age, because some people come to this full at different ages. But for most leaders, it happens in their life in their mid-40s, mid to late 40s. That a leader will go through a, a crisis in some way, and here's what will happen. They'll go through a crisis, either a personal crisis, either a leadership crisis, either a faith crisis, either, either some type of crisis, that that crisis will either make them, they will go deeper, it will develop their life. It will be the essence of who they are. Or, here's the other two options that happens, they will take a detour and they will get off track or get in the ditch. Do you know that most leaders that we hear about, you know, who have difficulty and struggle and getting get in, get in the ditch, usually it happens, it can happen early and it can happen later, but 80% of the time it happens during the life maturing phase because a leader has now had enough difficulty in his life and he's, had some, he's hit the wall in certain, some ways and it's either taking him deeper or he gets off track, he tries to do something to, I call it jumpstart your soul, you know, so we get into things that aren't healthy, or here's the third option, and too many of us get into it. During that phase, we don't go deeper. We don't get more authentic. We don't let God do what he wants to do in our life. And therefore, then oftentimes we, become, we, we get religious and simply we become professional. We're, we're, we're far enough down life that we say, I just want to stay out of trouble, but pick up my paycheck until I can retire. Okay? Now, let me give you some phases for this. Let, let me tell you my story first. I, I, like I'll, I'll do that, just to authentic. In my mid-40s, we had just built a huge building in Cleveland, Ohio. We were in a, run, a rented auditorium, high school auditorium, for 20 years. We set up a tour down every, every week. The church there grew, grew to almost 1,000 people as we were there. We were there for 20 years. Finally bought land. The city wouldn't let us zone it, rezone it. We had to buy some new land, et cetera, et cetera. Finally, after 20 years, we had this building. We moved into this building, you know, 1,500-seat auditorium, beautiful building out in the pristine area, $10 million. You know, it was, just, it was gorgeous, 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 gorgeous. We had been in the building nine months. And one Tuesday morning, my late wife, her name was Debbie, got up to go to a women's Bible study. I'm on my way back from working out in a health club, get a phone call from my daughter, who was our receptionist at the church. She said, Dad, the hospital's looking for you. I go to the hospital. My wife had had a brain aneurysm, gone through a red light. A young man had hit her in the right, in, in, in the door, driver's door side. Three days later, she died. Here's, I'm at, I'm at 49 years of age, huge pressure. My wife of 25 years just killed in a car accident. That was my life maturing, defining moment phase. I coach leaders that's one of the things I'm having the chance to do now. And I see this pattern over and over and over and over. We come to a point where we either go deeper with God and he does something in us that's much deeper or we get in trouble. My temptation was just to 
do something to end the pain or not embrace what God was doing in me during this time and season so that I wouldn't go deeper in my own life. But here's what happens during this season. We move from doing to being. Write that down if you would, please. Have you heard that phrase? But here's where this phase comes in in all leaders. We move from doing to being. Okay? So here's my point. If you cut me open now, what I'm doing, that's the essence of who I am. But where did I transition from simply being a pastor who was doing okay, I was doing well, to what God led me through and what I learned in the wilderness and in the valley shaped me in such a deep way that if you cut me now, that's what's going to come out. Every leader goes through that at some point in their life. How many of you have great leaders that you would point to, either they're still alive or dead, but they were, they're your men, men and women of faith that you say, one day I want to be like them. How many of you know those, those leaders? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Guess what they went to to get there? Hell and back. I think I can say that here. That's where we're made. But many leaders get in trouble here in this section because they either, again, don't go deep with God to let him work deep within him. Let me just say another thing. I can listen to a leader today, and without being judgmental, because that's not my spirit, I can almost immediately, Pastor Donna, I can almost immediately tell you whether that person is a what I call an echo or a voice. Anybody follow me at all? An echo is somebody that's taken Andy Stanley's and kind of redone it and communicating it. Nothing wrong with that, I don't think. Versus, Joe stands up and begins to share on something of his life or that he's gone through. And I begin to hear him, I realize, wow. He's got some great insight from the Word there. He's learned from others, and obviously he's read some stuff. But this is the reality of an essence of who he is. That's the life maturing process that we go through when we become a voice and not simply an echo. But it happens in that stage. Let me tell you what some of the signs down here you can put in in this stage. Oh, help me, Lord, time-wise. Number one, just put this down if you would. Your life message is being built. Your life message is being built. You may not even see it or know it at the time, but I think all of us end up having a life, one or two life messages. And what I'm doing right now in this stage of my life, which we'll get to the fifth phase stage in just a second, but I'm actually, I'm, I'm able now to be living out of my life message. If you cut me, here's the things you're going to get. You're going to get three things. How do we become more like Jesus? I don't need more of the church, religion, I don't need more doctrine. I've got that. I don't need more systems. I like, I don't need, my, my life message is how do we follow this man, Jesus Christ, and in the process become more like him. Now let me just say this to you. That didn't come to me by reading a book three years ago and now it's a nice idea. That came to me by something God led me on in my own journey 20 years ago that if you now cut me or wake me up in the middle of the night and ask me to say something or to speak on something, that's going to come out. What's the second life message? I told you about earlier. My second life message is helping people build a life that's intentional so they have a fruitful life at the end of their life. I take that from the John 15 principle. Jesus said, if you want to glorify God the Father, be a disciple and bear fruit. How do we bear fruit? I believe we bear fruit by being fruitful in the entirety of our life. Every day, 
the gift, the call, the personality, everything he's given me, not just my spiritual stuff, but all of it. So if you cut me, the second thing is going to come out. I want to help people fulfill their destiny in life. That's been a part of my journey for, again, 25 years. I read that stuff. I do that stuff. Okay. And what's my third life message? This isn't a promo. This is to show you how this is important this is. My third life message is helping leaders stay healthy in the journey. So when I step up here and tell you I led a large congregation that during that time went through some tremendous difficulty, but it was during that time that I learned the most about myself and God than any other, then when I say that, you perk up and listen because you realize he didn't just read J. Robert Clinton's book. He's gone through some stuff. And it's not an echo, it's a voice. That's what happens in us. Every one of us will come to this. Here's what usually happens in this phase. I'll give you a few other signs of that. Usually we've had enough disappointment in ministry or leadership. We've experienced betrayal or coups within the church world. We've had relational rifts with people that we were once very close to. We've had some type of spiritual crisis, which our son or daughter was... Uh, you know, born with deformities and they're not healed yet, or we've had a personal crisis like my wife being killed in a car accident. We, there's an accumulation of those things that happens that often takes us into this season. Now, classic writers in church history have called this the dark night of the soul. Uh, biblically, it would be an understanding of the motif of the wilderness. But we go through these seasons where these seasons, they end up making us. Let me give you the fifth one. This is the one I wanted to hit the most because many, many people are in this. So here's the, thing that's, here's the thing that's really fun about this. If you fly over your life right now based upon what may be happening in your life and in your ministry life, and if you're going through difficulty, guess what? God's up to something, and he's actually developing you deeper in your own life. I just helped a guy who worked with me. He was on staff with me, and he was going through a lot of different things, and his family and other stuff. And as we went through this material together, it gave him perspective and it gave him hope and it gave him life and it gave him intentionality to go through it because he knew there was something on the other end that God was building in him and putting in him that would be a part of his development as he moved to the next season. I guarantee you, everybody in here is going through something in some way. If you're going through something in a difficult way, you may be in the season where God is taking you through the life maturing, but there's sunshine on the other side of the rain and let's look at number five. And number five is convergence. 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 Well, things come together, okay? Many leaders, I said it earlier, 10 to 20, only 10 to 20% of leaders, spiritual leaders, ever get to the point of convergence. They get stuck either in the ministry maturing or they get stuck or they get derailed in the life maturing phase, and they never move to their convergence. Now, why I could uh, share this class, it was such a, you know, hope and faith in my life. I've studied this stuff for the last, you know, 20, 25 years, so I knew about four or five years ago, I knew that I was, I was somewhere in here. After this, and I was remarried, I moved to Minnesota, and I passed another church there, and God began to show me those three things that were my life messages, and what I began to realize is I was on the front end of convergence. So two years ago, I took the step to move into convergence. Why? Because for the next 10 years of my life, I want to hit the nails that God has called me to hit. They're different for everybody. Richard Rohr, Father Richard Rohr, you may be know where that name or not, but he does a lot of stuff on 
uh, development and, and leadership development and transitions in life and transitions in ministry, he makes the point that the container that got you here usually isn't the container that can move you to the next. And I realized that. doesn't mean you have to leave your church. That's not what I'm saying. But I knew that what I had been doing for 35 years and the way that I had been doing it would not lead me to the next narrow focus part of the funnel, which is another idea of this whole thing. The longer we go, the more focused we should become in life and ministry. We start off a generalist, and we're learning all these different things and learning these different lessons. But the longer you go, the more you want to become focused in whatever your life message is, whatever your sweet spot is. Let me give you some bullets for convergence underneath if you want to write that down. Convergence is the culmination of our ministry experiences and our life experiences. Convergence in the life of a leader is the culmination of our ministry experiences and our life experiences. So my guess is if you're in your late 40s, early 50s, even in mid-50s, you're struggling, you may be struggling with this right here. Sensing, you know, what's my best contribution for the next 10, 15, 20 years of my life in ministry? It may be doing exactly what you're doing right now. Maybe in the local church and you're leading in the local church or whatever. But even if it is, it's probably going to be for you to focus more narrowly so you have more fruit in your convergence and you are actually uh, living and leading uh, out of the sweet spots uh, of your life. Let me, let me give you one definition, just a second, for convergence, and I'll take questions. Let me give you a couple things real quick. Let me give you a definition of, uh, of convergence to help you. Convergence is doing the right thing at the right place at the right time for you, meaning you've come into those gifts, those passions, those ministry experiences, those life experiences. It is all converged together. That's why they use the word convergence, Okay. Let me give you your three biggest tests to come into convergence. Number one, it takes courage. Big, big test. Many times we, it's very difficult for us to take, because we're in our latter stage, you know, of our, maybe of our earning life or whatever, and sometimes to take the stage into our convergence, it really takes courage. I left a job where I was a, a church that I'd been in eight years, very influential area, affluent area in Minneapolis. I was making more money than I ever made. And my tendency was, if I could just hang on another 10 years and put it in the bank, I'm good. But I knew if I did that, I wouldn't move into my convergence. But for me to move to Cleveland, yeah, I got a yeah here, you know, it took courage. I, I feel like I'm living the Abraham journey that I lived several years ago when I moved from Canada to Cleveland when I was 23 years of age or 24 years of age. Didn't have anything, didn't have any future, didn't know what was next. God continues to call us to that. How many have been Abraham calls more than once in your life? It's more difficult the older we get. Because oftentimes we have more at stake. So it takes courage, number two. It takes faith. Same idea. I mean, we've got to believe that God said something to us. He's spoken to us. He's got our attention on this. And then let me give you the third one for the sake of time. It takes self-awareness. One of the things that this whole thing is so good on, and I, I, I've got more stuff I could do, but I don't have time, is this helps a leader have a good idea of what their life purpose and what their leadership purpose is. So if you put a red line through here, it usually starts somewhere in this area. If a leader knows what their life purpose is, it's their North Star that helps them through this. 
I don't have time to explain that as much as I'd like to. But it's the whole idea of really knowing what your North Star is, and then as you move through it. But self-awareness, see, when I, when I laid out to you the three things that, that comes out of me when, I, when I'm cut, my life messages, that comes about by self-awareness. Thinking through, where am I at? What are those strengths? What gets me up in the morning? What are my passions? What are my life experiences? What are my ministry experiences? How they all come together. Where am I at in my season of life? Am I being fruitful? Am I being faithful? Do I, am I going to finish well? Am I going to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant, because I've been fruitful? Having an understanding of where you're at in the grid is like flying over your life in a helicopter giving you perspective so you know I'm here, I'm learning some lessons, I'm here, I'm going through hell, I'm here, I'm now in my sweet spot, or I want to move into my sweet spot so that I can finish well. How many of you want to finish well? It doesn't just happen by accident. It takes intentionality. It takes self-awareness. We have one minute. And that's it. Run real quick question if we can do that. There's more. Oh, yes, six. Thank you very much. Six is celebration. Oh, do we? Oh, awesome. Thank you. Man, I could have slowed down. Wow. Why didn't you say something earlier? I had three on my head. I had three o'clock on my head. No, every day I take a nap at three, so that's what was there. Is like, no. the, the sixth one is called, he calls it celebration. Okay? Yeah. And celebration is simply what it says. It's living in now out of a life of fruitfulness and faithfulness. Uh, Billy Graham is in a season of celebration and has been for a long time. Okay? Uh, John Maxwell, even though John Maxwell is still doing some stuff, but he's not doing near as much as he is, but John Maxwell is really, he's more, he's more in this area of his life. He's moved into celebration. Again, we're looking back, we're a, a life of, of faithfulness, a, a life of fruitfulness. Okay? Quick questions. I got some more I could give you, but I, I, I'm going to, I, I got a whole other section on this that I usually do, but I think I may go beyond. Questions, yes, amen, oh me, you know, why don't we do this session, let's end early, three o'clock's too long, anyhow. Questions, okay? Yeah, one more time. Yes, life maturing usually for most leaders happens somewhere in their 40s. It's almost uncanny with study that's been done 45, 40, 45 to 46 years of age. That's not magical, but that sure seems like a leader comes into a difficulty, now you can do it before, you can do it after, that will usually will make a leader, make them one way or the other, okay? Convergence, usually the conversation and the thoughts start more in their early to mid-50s. They're thinking about their, their third quarter of their life in ministry. Where am I at? Am I on track? Am I fruitful? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Have I got caught in a, in a grind? Uh, Am I doing things that I was doing 10 years ago, 10 years ago that I'm just still doing then, but I haven't taken self-assessment to consider where I'm supposed to be? So that was the ages I gave. Thanks for the question. Somebody else? Thoughts inside of this. You've experienced this. You know this. You've seen this. This rings a bell somehow. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Mentorships would be great because you've got somebody to mirror, you know, and conversations. I hope there are one or two stages about the other big answer I could give you, or best answer I could give you, J. Robert Clinton goes through 
each one of those in each stage and lays them out. It gets pretty technical because, like I said, he's more of an engineer mind, but it's pretty technical. For example, like this one, the life maturing, uh, he says you usually go through, I think it's four stages. Backward, you're looking back. You know, why am I here? What did I do? Should I be here? All hell's broken out. This doesn't seem like this is right. Okay. Godward, we start, God, what are you up to? What's, what's going on? God, I, I need you. I'm in crisis. Inward is his third one. Again, it's not about you. It's not about the people who left. It's not about this situation. It's not about that. I'm not mad at everybody else. God, what are you doing in me? And then third, the fourth one he says it's, is uh, the area forward. So you start to look forward. Those are four things that he gives in that. Okay? He also talks about conflict initiatives. He calls them initiation phases that God leads us into. He explains those. You may be in an initiation phase with a conflict with your boss or your senior pastor. He'll, he'll tell you, you'll probably, you're probably in a transition stage here. So he gets pretty technical. It's a good question, but he gets pretty technical. What I would say to you, just in general, the way that those is, we usually hit some type of a barrier. We get restless. There's, there's a holy dissatisfaction. The Holy Spirit begins to say something to us. What used to work no longer is working. You know, all those type of things. And I do a whole host session on identifying and breaking growth barriers, which talks about those. Self-awareness. You know, we, we, what's God, what's going on? Talking to our mentor. I feel like this is happening. So it's, that's a good question. I didn't give a great answer, but that's a good question. Yeah, it'd be worth it for you. Yes. Yes. Right. Right. Consequences huge. The negative consequences huge. If uh, if you were a liar, somebody need their phone. Oh, that's mine. <laughs> and that's my wife Missy. I told you. See, it was set for my nap time, which was three o'clock. <laughs> really, it wasn't. I have no. I have no idea who that is. That was funny. What was the question again? Oh, boy, great question. Thanks for the setup. Let's just use an illustration. If you were good at lying and you simply got older and got more different positions and you've never been self-aware and been intentional enough about dealing with that, when you get into usually a crisis of life maturing and it's maybe served you well because you could smooth everybody you got the job because you know you were really good with how you spun things usually in life maturing and i've seen this i'm working with somebody right now that 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 was part of their inner life their pattern evidently because it's still part of their pattern now now they're under tremendous pressure and they're not honest and people don't trust them and their church is about to go down but, but you could trace that back to being carried. That's why self-awareness is so important. We all have them. That's why a mentor is so important. That's why a coach is so important. That's why authenticity is so important. That's why the Word of God is so important. That's why the Holy Spirit is so important. And so they can help all of us in those different seasons. So that would be, an, that's a dramatic illustration, but go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. 
Let me get, I'll talk to you that. If that's, if that's an experience, usually then what happens is ministry becomes a way for you to try to get that. He's really a great teacher. He's a great worship leader. Man, my teenage kids love him when he does youth ministry. What you may not be aware of, but it may be a feeding, that approval that you didn't get from your father. When you go through crisis, which you will, okay? When you go through crisis, which you will, what will happen is where God works most in ours is our identity. And he will go deeper where you will then either learn that he's the ultimate father, he loves us even though my church is going downhill. So that's the, see, that's the question with us as leaders. And I've, I've been up and down on hills with churches, you know. Is my soul in the same place when it's going down as it is when it's going up? And when, I, when it's going down, the church in Cleveland that was way up for a long time and was really known as a regional church started having difficulty. And then, you know, we lost the building after, even after I left, $10 million building, after my wife's passing. That's when I learned whether I was really a son of the Father or a servant of the church to get accolades. Father issues. Deep, 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 deep. And that's where they, that's where they usually surface. You know. So that's a great question. But I can tell you, we can hide them usually until here that we can't hide them. It's usually in the shaking time that we just... And again, that's when we go inward. If we'll go inward, we begin to realize God's up to something in my own life. Yeah, Joe did me wrong. Yeah, they betrayed me. Yeah, I shouldn't have been pushed out. Yeah, whatever. But what will happen is we'll go inward, and then you'll come out on the other side. And probably what will happen is your, your life message will be love of the Father as someone who is an orphan son who's gone through great difficulty, and I know the heart of the Father now. I'm a son loved by the Father more than ever. And when you speak it, I say, man, he knows what he's talking about. It could open up a ministry to you. Let's just, let's just play this out further, where you would then become a speaker to men's ministry in the area of the orphan heart and the healing of the Father. But what happened? You were either made or broken in here. If you make it through here, you move into convergence sometime in your life where you are hitting on all five cylinders, and there's a realization, wow. Most leaders never make it there. Great question. Yes? Mm. Yeah, wow. Wow. Yeah. 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 Wow. That is awesome. Amen. Can we thank the Lord for that? Just to, his, his goodness to us? That's awesome. Let me, let me plug three things. I'm not ashamed to do it. Let me plug three things. I'm on the road. This is what I do. We didn't do a big resource uh, section here just because of the, the way the whole day goes. And I only played it by ear. Uh, this packet it's called the Live Better, Lead Better Resource Packet. I interviewed some of the top leaders about topics of how to live better in, in our life and how to lead better. And so they're about a 30-minute video. There's an outline that's with it. It's done in a, in a high way. But here's some of the things on the Live Better. Proven Keys to Longevity in Christian Leadership by Pastor Dave Johnson. Leads one of the largest churches in the Minneapolis area. 
I did a survey to Christian leaders. I have a Christian leaders email list type thing. And I did a survey not too long ago, about a year ago, less than a year ago. And the top of about 10 topics I gave the leaders, the top one was this one. How to identify and break personal growth barriers in your life. That's what somebody asked me. How do you know when you're there and how do you get through them? Uh, I do one on the subtle seductions of ministry by a Bible teacher by the name of George Farner. Tremendous insight. I do five cases of sustainability in Christian leadership. It's a book I wrote. Uh, And this one is uh, is not in here. No, it is. Six stages of development in the life of a leader. I'm interviewed on this topic as well. So if you weren't it in another way. This, I usually sell at conferences, no kidding, for $147. i am selling it today, today only, as they say, as you're marketing, $47. I'm only doing that because usually when I'm around conferences, people hear me a lot. I'm able to talk with them. Then they're willing to spend the $147. If you haven't, you're not really willing to do that. Here's a little book I wrote called Unexpected, Navigating Life's Unforeseen Turns. I wrote it after my late wife's passing. This book has helped literally thousands of people uh, navigate through difficulty. It doesn't have to be as dramatic as my wife's, but people have gone through difficulty. This book is extremely helpful. This book just came out last uh, year, and it's. I said one of my uh, one of my life missions is to help leaders help us uh, live well while we lead well. Staying power: five core ideas to sustainability in Christian leadership. And I do workshops on this with the leaders. But this is about how do we stay healthy as we go through things. And I go through five of the main areas that I've seen in my own life, that I've seen as I've worked with colleagues. You know, the stats are, maybe you know the stats are, the longer a leader goes, the fallout rate, burnout rate, dropout rate among Christian leaders is at an all-time high. It's increasing every year. The stats also show, show that the longer a leader goes in Christian leadership, the more unhealthy they become. Issues that were there, that surface or whatever. This book is to help leaders with that. So that's a plug. My wife and daughter will be over there, and you can uh, pick that up if you want as well. You've been a great class, a great session. Thank you for hanging in there till 3.15. We're over, 3.19. Hey, we got, we got two minutes. Let me pray for you. I know there's other people in the room like this. Your name? Rachel. Like Rachel. Okay, let's ask the Holy Spirit whatever he wants to do in you and through you during this season. Father, we thank you that you're a good father. We thank you that you're our shepherd. We thank you that you're the one who shapes us, forms us, leads us, gifts us, assigns us. Lord, you're the only one who knows our life from the beginning to the end. And you're the only one who knows what we've gone through, what we are going through, what you have for us next what you are going to do in us, what you want to do in us, what doors you want to open up. So, Father, I pray that and prophesy that over this group today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Awesome. Thanks, you guys.